Welcome. Today on the Invent Sean podcast, I sit down with multi-talented singer, songwriter, and pianist Lena Bertwistle. Over the last 15 years, Lena has performed with many bands, including the Adamantines, Kendall Patrick and the Headless Bettys, Ah Venice, and most recently Will of iBreakStrings.com. We sit down together in her new home to talk about perspectives on life, her journey with music, the creative process, manifestation, relationships, family, and her journey towards her marriage to music and finally becoming Emerald Specs. A few years ago, I worked with Lena, photographing and designing the cover of her debut solo album, No Sound, under her performance name of Emerald Specs. Check out all the links to her music and other socials in the podcast description. Enjoy the next hour and a bit, and thank you for listening. Oh, and remember to invent something every day. Feeling good? Yep. All right. <laughs> so here we are. Welcome. This is uh, the third vlog and podcast of Invent Sean. Today we have Lena Bertwistle. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Good. Should I look at them or just you? Doesn't matter. Okay. If you want to look over there, you can look over there. But Okay. So we've known each other for, I think, 15 years? No, I don't know. Definitely 10. Definitely 10. It was 10, I think we figured out last time, it was 10 years ago when we got those photos done with me and Sid. Okay, so yeah, we've known each other for 10 years. Yeah. So that's when we met, was when we were doing a photo shoot with you and Sid. Mm -hmm. You were doing a poster for a show that you were doing together. Yeah. And we were both wearing the same suit, and we both had makeup on. Yeah. That's awesome. They had to have makeup on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a fun shoot. I got to do Sid's makeup. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first time I met you. I think I knew, I had seen one of your shows beforehand, but I, I don't know if I actually had met you. Right. Or I knew of you before anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That was fun. So your background is mostly music, right? That's mostly what, music. Mo mostly what you've been doing most of your life? Yes. Um, and then like different jobs here and there. I haven't been able to do music as a source of income for my whole life. It has become a source of income in the last 10 years since I've been teaching um, and doing some gigs. And then I started touring four years ago, um, uh, accompanying Will. But before that, I've worked a bunch of other jobs as well. And then I was prepared to give up on music multiple times. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned um, to me previously that when you're in your early age you had self-confidence issues but yeah. when when did you actually want to become a musician where have you always wanted to be a musician i remember being about five and 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 just um seeing myself on stage or visualizing myself on stage and i used to say one day i want to be as famous as elvis and <laughs> So I think I always wanted it since I was a little girl. Right. Um, <clears throat> but you grew up in a musical family, didn't you? Yeah. My dad played uh, a bunch of stuff and sang and my uncle and yeah. So I had, I had multiple, my grandma, my grandpa, there's multiple musical people. Right. And then I started, I started learning piano when I was five. My dad taught me, my grandma taught me a bit. And then I started it in lessons when I was 10. But I always wanted music. Like every time I saw music anywhere, that was usually what um, pulled me. 
<laughs> and one of the things that, um, like, what, what, you learned piano. Yeah. You got better at piano. What about singing? Like, when did you start learning to sing? Not really until I was 21. So I, I would try singing and tried writing songs when I was younger, not right. successfully. Um, I really didn't feel comfortable with my voice at all. Uh, and then in, when I was at VIU, was Malaspina back then, I took two years of jazz piano um, and I did a little bit of vocal lessons there, I think just for a semester. I don't even think it was a full year. <clears throat> and I remember feeling like in the whole time that I was with my teacher that I had one good vocal day and and I and I asked her if she thought I would ever be a good singer and she said I had really nice tone but but I was pitchy I was flat a lot and my voice felt like such a struggle so it was always really hard and then when I left college I think I was 21 and I had just written a couple of songs tried writing a couple of songs and I had sort of started learning the guitar and singing a bit more and I decided that I would everything that I did from then on from when I was 21 it would be to get me closer to my music and so then I was really starting to commit myself to my voice as well and I felt like one day I'm going to be writing my own songs and I need to learn how to use this other instrument and so I went to a couple of voice teachers here and there um, mostly I just took everything that I'd learned. So I was mostly self-taught, mm -hmm. which made it probably a lot harder and took me a lot longer to actually figure it out. And I remember going to one vocal coach <clears throat> for a couple of tips in Crofton where I lived for a long time. And I told her that I was crying myself to sleep every night, or not every night, I was crying myself to sleep sometimes. I was so frustrated that I couldn't make my voice work and occasionally I'd have a good day. And she just asked me, well, you want this really bad, don't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I really do. And it's so hard. And she's like, that's why you're so emotional because you want it so bad. Mm -hmm. You just have to keep working at it. And so I kept working and working and working. And I'd say it probably took me 10 years until I really started to feel my voice coming into more of its strength. Right. I mean, I've actually seen your voice grow and get stronger even in the time that I've known you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just in the last five years, it's really, really gotten a lot stronger. So, I mean, I think that it's a continuous growth. And yeah. That's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you in mm -hmm. to talk to you is because, you know, in Benchon, I, I am bringing people in that are talking. We, you know, they have a journey that, and it's about growth. Mm -hmm. And you've done a lot of growing over the last 10 years that I've known you. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of self-actualization. Like you, you have learned more about yourself and you've become more focused on yourself mm -hmm. and that's definitely been really helpful for yourself so yeah. maybe you know you, you, we talked about early on mm -hmm. what is it like when you were younger did was there things that happened that made you feel like you had low self self-esteem low confidence or I, I think that growing up 
it's hard anyways as a kid, as a teenager, with so much judgment uh, around you all the time with all of your peers. And yeah. um, there's just a lot of insecurity and a lot of judgment. And I... I can't say exactly specifically what it would be aside from I think within my family of origin there may have been self-esteem issues as well. Right. And so growing up as a kid in that environment all we know is what we experience. And so yeah. without even knowing it I was learning how to be afraid. I was learning how to not speak up for myself and I was learning how to feel maybe like there was something wrong or like I was I was I would just remember feeling really scared a lot of the times not of anything really terrible just mm -hmm. this feeling of fear um I can't say there was anything there wasn't any I didn't have any seriously traumatic things I had like a lot of us growing up I'm sure there's a fair bit of alcoholism in the family or things like that and and I think not a lot of our parents grew up knowing how to communicate very well or mm -hmm. how to express ourselves their, themselves very well. Um, counseling and 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 that sort of thing, I, I don't feel like was really normal or embraced in sort of my parents' generation or their no. parents' generation. No, so I think a not. lot of the stuff from a family just sort of carrying itself down that's probably initially where I where I was experiencing some struggle and then mm. it wasn't until I got older and started being around more people who I noticed were just expressing more of a confident version of themselves they didn't seem right. to be afraid of getting in trouble or saying the wrong thing or, or making mistakes. And I would look at people like that and I would admire them so much. And I would feel this feeling inside of, can I ever be like that? Feeling like maybe one day I can, but also mm -hmm. this fear that there's, or this, this feeling that there's no way I'm ever going to be like that. And, and I quite often felt like uh, there was something wrong with me and I wasn't talented enough. I wasn't good enough at music. I wasn't beautiful. I wasn't, I just wasn't good enough. So I might as well just not even be here. And it felt like it would just be so much easier to not be alive <laughs> because okay. life felt too stressful. School was not always easy for me. Mm -hmm. I got A's and B's but I felt really stressed out really easily around a lot of people. I felt really overwhelmed really easily with large amounts of work. Um, I'm highly sensitive, so I think that's probably part of that too. Right. But, I mean, you wanted to become a musician, you wanted to become a singer. That's putting yourself in right smack dab in the middle of public eye <laughs> and public scrutiny. Mm -hmm. and, so how did you deal with, you know, feel it, the feelings of not uh, of low self-worth, but then being able to perform? Like when, when was your first performance? Oh, uh, 
probably when I was a kid because my parents always, they were always asking me to perform for people. So I would, I would play for friends when they came over. Um, and I played at recitals. So I can't, I can't say when my first one was when I really started playing more solo as a, like just Lena Burtwistle presenting myself. That was in my early to mid twenties. Like I, I think I was, you know, because I started singing more when I was 21. I needed to get my voice a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. I was learning the guitar. I was learning a whole bunch of cover songs, um, trying to write a little bit. So around 23, 24 was when I really started presenting myself as a performer and trying to embrace that. But it was super nerve-wracking. Like, I remember I'd get tons and tons of performance anxiety and be judging. I could hear thoughts. I would be judging myself the whole time, worried that people would be getting bored, worried that these songs weren't good enough, my voice wasn't good enough. And when people would say that I was good, I almost always perceived that they were just telling me that to make me feel better. And and I wasn't really going to go anywhere. (laughs) So there was a ton of that. It was this, this... battle inside this contradiction because I felt like I had to keep pushing into this I had to keep doing it and some part of me felt like I've got something really special and I need to be giving it and then the other part was you're not even close to good enough you should just stop you should just give up it was so it was a a constant internal battle that way yeah yeah I I don't think that you're the only one that goes through life with those internal battles yeah (laughs) the, the last year of of me wanting to do this type of thing i was always in an internal battle of no nobody's going to care mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm too old you know all those things uh, made me are always constantly running through my head mm-hmm. but you know in the end you just have to do it yeah and like you're saying that you had those internal battles so what pushed you what kept you pushing forward i think that the the pull and the calling to do music has been so strong in me since I was a kid. And it's been always the one thing that no matter what happens in my life and no matter what gets out of balance or out of whack or how far off the track I get, mm-hmm. it, it I'm always brought back to it. It's always this one thing that I know has been there for me. I feel mm-hmm. like music is was my first true love and still is the source of my uh, that's how i tap into that creative essence of the universe or whatever so no matter how far i go it feels like there's something always grabbing me and pulling me back and going no you have to do this so it, it kept me focused on that and then i also in the last uh i guess it's six years now um i had started ex- experiencing now I realize I was sort of stepping into a really big spiritual awakening about six years ago which was just Mm -hmm. happening to me and as it was happening I started gaining even more self-awareness and noticing more and more things and and being able to recognize what's fear and what's like I could feel fear thoughts and fear feelings in my body and sort of analyze and dissect them a little bit more easily and I started choosing to walk into my fears instead of giving in to the feelings that I'm not good enough or whatever. I was like, well, whatever, I just got to do it. I'm just going to do it because I feel like if I don't do this, if I don't keep moving forward with these things that are pulling me, then I'm going to die. Like I'm, it just doesn't feel good. I feel Mm -hmm. like I lose energy 
So I just have to keep doing it. <laughs> so you do it because you feel like it's just, you're drawn to it and, and it's what you're meant to be doing. Yeah. It's what really, music makes me, like the connection that I get to my own, myself and life through music is what makes me feel more alive. It's what expands everything in my world. Mm. And 10, 11 years ago when I was, I was engaged to somebody and I had, I left, I went to go see a life coach who asked me a really great question. She said, cause I was very confused at that time. I was 26 and I, I felt like I'm not sure if I should go and try and pursue another career or if I should keep following music. Uh, I just don't know what to do. And she said, Lena, when you, when you follow music, when you go in that direction, do doors open for you? And, and I thought about it and I was like, yes, usually so many doors that I, I can't even close them. They're just opening all over the place. Right. And she's like, well, that, that's how you know that's the right path. Yeah. If the doors open easily, that's the direction you should be going in. So whatever else happens in my life, everything else that opens up, it's always when I stay in alignment with doing what's best for myself and my music, mm -hmm. that opens up all the other doors. So it's it's what opens up some of the most amazing relationships that I've had in my life and connections and job opportunities and creative endeavors and yeah so it's my it's like my guiding light i guess yeah <laughs> um you mentioned doors I, I i know that i've experienced in my life sometimes where you it's hard to visualize what a door is but i mean like i've actually been in situations where i've forced the situation and the doors weren't opening properly mm -hmm. and i've always regretted that i've always wanted to be it's better that you follow the path that where doors do open easily. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that? Yeah. 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 I think in lots of ways, um, with, with like feelings about what I should be doing with my life or relationships, that's been a big one too in relationships, feeling like I think I know how something should go or what I want or with all kinds of things, I feel like, <clears throat> If I'm trying to force my will into the situation and it feels like there's a ton of resistance, mm -hmm. then it just doesn't feel good. And, and, and as a person who, I mean, I, I, I go back and forth between feeling lazy and productive and, and energetic and just wanting to sit and, and be mellow or meditate or something. But, um, I, it's, it's sometimes confusing to balance. Should I be working really hard and pushing or like, do I let everything just come to me and find like, obviously finding a balance in between is what's yeah. important because in my, in my reality, in my world, a lot of things do come to me. So a lot of the times I feel like I just have to put out an intention and sort of let it go. And I've had constantly, constantly in my life for years, if I want new clothes, but I feel like I can't really pay for any right now. Mm -hmm. Like within a couple of weeks, I remember a coworker just brought me a couple bags of clothes to work and said, do you want some clothes? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, why? Well, sure. Or 
this house was another case of that. I, well, it's time to move. I, I think I know what I want. Okay. Yeah. That seems pretty challenging to find that. I'll just put it out. And I'll, the second family that I asked had exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I, yeah. Stuff like that happens to me constantly. So it, it sometimes makes me wonder, should I be really pushing and working hard? But it's, it's, I'm trying to, I'm practicing more and more now too, following what gives me an expansive feeling, what makes me sort of tingle and feel really good. Cause I do enjoy working. I do enjoy mm. working on things, Right. but I'm, I'm trying to notice, well, what feels really good right now? And even in yoga, practicing doing yoga, I can apply it to that too. And it helps apply to every other aspect. If I'm just doing yoga self-guided and I'm about to go into a posture, but something in my body feels like it's contracting and I just don't mm -hmm. feel good. I think sometimes I'll, I'll question, is that just because it's harder and I don't feel like doing something harder? And I'm like, well, what if I think about something I really want to do? Is there a posture or a move that I do want to do? Oh, that's still challenging, but I really want to do that one and it feels good. So I'll do that and I'll just right. follow my body. I'll follow what feels good. So I think that's teaching me and training me as well. Um, in other areas to ch check in a little bit more often and figure out, do I feel a contracting kind of yucky feeling or do mm. I feel a, Ooh, that would be great. Cause right. if I feel this expansive, excited feeling, I'll actually work a whole lot harder. Yeah. I think that, and you can also describe it as a gut feeling, right? I mean, yeah. like I've always learned, I've learned in my life that follow your gut and mm -hmm. you know, to the point where if you think that your gut is saying, no, this is the wrong thing to be doing, mm -hmm. it's usually right. Yeah. And if your gut says, oh, no, this is actually something that I like and yeah. this is great. And But you were talking about the balance, finding a balance between, you know, not doing anything yeah. and, and it just coming to you or, mm -hmm. you know, not doing anything and it coming to you or working towards something. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a balance. I mean... If you're not doing anything, <laughs> that energy usually will fizzle out, I think, yeah. by stuff coming to you. Yeah. I think that, that something is always coming to you when you're actually moving forward. Progress. Yeah. Tony Robbins says progress equals progress equals happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, um, like, I know people talk about the inspiration, perspiration or something like that. There's like. I don't know. Um, but I was thinking, I sometimes when talking, I've been to multiple different life coaches and stuff over the years as well to just help me, help guide me and get me, help get things a little clearer. And sometimes when I would feel like, well, I know, I, I know I'm going somewhere. Like I feel that I'm going somewhere. I feel myself moving towards something. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I know I'm moving towards it. But then I would sometimes feel so idle or like, I'm not getting far enough. I'm not doing enough. And I remember, I don't remember who it was, but I had mentioned to a life coach or somebody sometime, um, I feel like I'm just like waiting. Like I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting for this time to open up or something. And she had said, I don't think you've been waiting. I think you've been preparing. And when mm -hmm. she said that, that made a lot more sense because then if I, then really when I look at all the things I've been doing 
and I have my lazy times, but if I really look at what have I been doing for the last 10 or 15 years mm -hmm. since I've really committed myself to my music? Well, 15 years it's been, yeah. So a lot, there's a lot. And I have mm -hmm. idle times and I have really productive times and I have times where I'm going with the flow and I have other times where I get a little bit of resistance and I kind of just have to let it go. I have times where I do something by myself or times where I ask somebody for help with something, but all of it, I've been still picking away at stuff. No matter mm. what, I'm still picking away at it, picking away at it, and I, things keep opening up, and then I move more, and then a couple years pass by, and I look at how far I've come or listen to my own voice changing or hear the things that I'm speaking that don't even sound like me anymore, <laughs> and watching myself grow if I can step outside of myself and just witness and see where am I it's like journal a lot too I've been journaling a lot for the last six years mm -hmm. five or six years so I get to reflect on all this stuff and I'm like yeah no I'm not doing nothing I am I'm I'm moving and it feels good I feel like I'm moving at a pace that feels good to me and sort of allowing things to grow naturally instead of forcing them and not being able to manage them I feel like I'm moving at a pace that life is presenting me with things when I'm ready with them, ready for them so that I can handle them. And it's yeah. training me and giving me all these new tools um, as I move along as well. So, so that when I get to the next level, I actually have the tools, which reminds me of when I was training in martial arts, which I did for, I think, nine years Okay. back in high school and stuff. Right. My martial arts instructor, I remember when I was in a lower mid belt, uh, I said I was starting to get some anxiety about training for my black belt, which I ended up doing, but I, I was nervous. And he said, you don't need to be thinking about that right now. All you need to be doing is training. I will tell you when you're ready. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you when we're going to train, when we're going to, when you're going to take your test, I'll tell you. Right. And that, that like, oh, really? Oops, microphone. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, really? Okay. So I don't have to, I don't have to think about how to prepare for that. All I have to do is do my practice, come to class and just surrender to the experience of doing what I'm doing. And eventually I will be ready. And I'll be presented with that challenge, but I'll have the skills. And I, that's, I feel like that's applied to tons of things in life too. So yeah. I can just relax into that and know I'm going to have what I need once I get there. And so that, that helps me a lot. So your journey in the last, you know, you, you said that you were engaged 10, yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So your journey, you committed yourself to music. Mm-hmm. But you've always wanted to be a musician, so, mm -hmm. but you you were struggling with what, what made you not commit to music? Was it because you didn't think it would be financially viable or? Well, I guess there has been that. Um, so first, I guess it was probably, was I 24-ish, I think, when... I was getting sick of doing back-to-back -back relationships. I was like a serial monogamist. Okay. <laughs> I was getting so sick of this cycle, um, feeling like there was something wrong with me. I couldn't stay in a relationship. And then I was realizing that I wanted to have this relationship with music. And I wanted to marry my music. Okay. And, and commit to that. 
And at the same time that I was thinking these thoughts to myself, I was like, okay, I'm committed. I was living in a, in a house with my younger brother and sister mm-hmm. that my dad was renting out um, when he was in real estate. My brother had just been in a car accident. My sister was in her last year of high school. The three of us lived together and it was like this fishbowl effect. We all grew a lot living in this house together with no parents. Um, and I felt this something inside of me that was really strong that said, I want to commit to my music. I want to marry my music, but I also had this feeling there's no way I'm strong enough. Guaranteed, I'm going to falter. I'm probably okay. going to get into another relationship. And in relationships, I would lose myself generally. Very, I was very codependent and I would lose myself in someone else or in this relationship. And then I would lose touch with my music. So it basically like clockwork within a couple weeks after I said, I want to marry my music. I met this man who was, I felt like he had everything that I had been looking for. And he was actually the first person that I had been with that I felt like I wanted to marry, which was weird. So it was as if I started projecting this relationship with my music onto another person. Mm -hmm. And then I lost myself in that. And for a few years I was in there, we got engaged. Um, I, I definitely, I started feeling like, well, at that time I was feeling like I should probably try to figure out something else to do as well. I think around then I was going back to school mm-hmm. thinking I would be a school teacher because then I would make more money, it would be more reliable, I could do music on the weekends and on holidays. But I went to school for one year in the in the phys ed program at Malaspina and I remember mm-hmm. having this feeling after a year of school that I don't want to go to school for six years and get myself way in debt to do something I don't want to do so that I can do the thing I want to do on holidays and weekends. That was a good realization, <laughs> especially early on. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, because I think I was 23 when I was in school again, and then I just, I just quit yeah. and I felt like a failure. I felt like I've done something wrong again, but meanwhile my my younger brothers it's me my brother and my sister my younger brother had always wanted to be an actor and he'd just been in this car accident so he was Mm -hmm. physically he'd had some some damage and he had a scar on his face and and all three of us had fairly low self-esteem and low self-worth so there's a lot of beating ourselves up and feeling like we're not good enough and I saw my brother struggling with the same thing my sister not as much I don't know if she experienced as much of that she seemed to be a lot more confident Mm -hmm. Um, from an earlier age but my brother I would see him struggling and I loved him so much and I would tell him um, AJ you you can do you should follow your dreams no matter what no matter what anybody tells you follow that thing inside of you if you really 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 want to be an actor you need to follow that Mm -hmm. because you're amazing you're so much more amazing than you think you are and I was telling him all these things and as I was telling him I was realizing (laughs) I'm really going to have to follow through on this with myself too. If I'm going to tell my younger brother, you need to follow your dreams no matter what and pursue your passion and just believe in yourself and have confidence in yourself, then I'm going to have to walk the walk. So, and I think that was when I was having this realization and I quit school and then I just, again, I was like, okay, I've really got to commit to music. So it was this back and forth little battle and then I started singing more often. I started performing more often. I met my, who, the man who became my fiance. 
And then once I left that relationship, it was again back to, because I think I went back to school again when I was with him. I was working at a grocery store and I decided to go back to school again. I thought maybe I'll get a job as a sterile supply tech. Okay. <laughs> so they make a lot of money right. and then I can do music. And it's like a year of school or it's like a semester of school. But then I left him and went and started focusing on music again. And at that time, Sid and I got together and started, well, as music partners, we got together and started working together. And then it became even more like, oh, maybe something really will happen now. I finally have, I've manifested this music partner. Right. But even between us and what we were doing, it was back and forth. It was, this is awesome. We're going to do this. Why, are, why is this even happening? Why are we even doing this or whatever? Like I was trying to just let go of all expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, but I noticed Sid had this back and forth, not sure if I should do this, want to do it, not sure if I should do this, want to do it kind of thing as well. So we were both kind of complementing each other in that passion and desire versus is it worth it, is this insecurity feeling. Right. So did, did that relationship with Sid in, in the musical sense, um, did that push you forward oh yeah hugely yeah. that was my he was my first music partner um and we wrote some stuff together we worked on a lot of each other's songs i loved his music from the first moment that i heard it mm -hmm. we performed together we did a bunch of shows i i had to force myself outside my comfort zone a lot working with him because i started harmonizing more i started trying to like jam with him a little bit sometimes which was not something that I was comfortable with at all at the no. time okay so there's a lot of tears for me back then too because I was pushing through this extreme discomfort into mm. doing new things right but we sounded amazing together we recorded um, an album together we had a band name called the Adamantines we recorded an album as the Adamantines together and then we recorded um, Sid recorded a solo album and we worked on that together. Uh, he worked on, did he do some stuff on, yeah, we did, we did a whole bunch of stuff together in the four years that we were working together. Wow. So it stretched me and helped me grow a lot. You mentioned that you had to do a lot of things that were outside of your comfort zone and mm -hmm. a lot of discomfort, mm -hmm. but because of that discomfort, you actually moved yourself forward and grew because yeah. of that yeah. and that's one thing that I, that actually I talked to um, Neil de Godet recently and we talked about um, you know discomfort mm -hmm. and discomfort is you know a temporary thing but it, it brings and moves you forward it, your body grows yeah. your brain grows your whole life grows because yeah. of that discomfort so sometimes discomfort is necessary yeah and I think I think being able to tell the difference between discomfort that's like this feels wrong versus mm -hmm. discomfort this feels like I'm pushing into an edge this just feels like I'm pushing into something that's going to challenge me just enough to grow being yeah. able to tell a difference between those is hard too because I think having had a lot of uncomfortable experiences that also were just things that were maybe not good for me to be experiencing mm -hmm. discomfort in in certain areas and probably a lot of people have had this if anybody had it's like experienced trauma or abuse in any kinds of way then sometimes that becomes a normal feeling so feeling uncomfortable becomes normal yeah and yeah, it, yeah and trying to tell the difference between 
am I uncomfortable so I shouldn't do this? Or this is like good discomfort and this is going to help me grow. Yeah, and I think that when I mentioned discomfort, it's something that you yourself are putting yourself through. It's not, some, it's yeah. not discomfort from an outside source. Um, discomfort from an outside source could, you know, it can be abuse, can be those things. And you're yeah. right that, that those things are not the discomfort that I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, those things change people, but not always for the better. I think, and I think that I've probably put myself through things like that sometimes too, mm-hmm. not knowing what was like good discomfort and bad discomfort and like pushed myself into situations that I felt like, oh, this is just challenging me. And then years later realizing, actually, it's not something I need to do. That's actually not helping me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So when, when did you, you know, you committed yourself to music. When did you get to a point where you felt confident enough that this is something that you could actually do? And, or is that something you're continuously always evolving? <laughs> I'm, I am, I think now, like this year in particular, or over this last year in particular, I think mm-hmm. that finally some of the, the, the blocks that still have, have come up to tell me that I'm not worthy or that I shouldn't do this. I feel like most of those have either seriously quieted down or gone away. Right. And... I don't feel as afraid of judgment. I don't feel as afraid of making mistakes. Um, And I think it feels like, so in the last, in the last four years, when I was touring with Will, Mm -hmm. artist, ibreakstrings.com, there was like, his music is, super dynamic and sometimes messy changing all the time right but really powerful and really get getting to be a part of that and and being able to perform with somebody who isn't always isn't like is, is sometimes just making mistakes but being totally right. cool with it him and um and our drummer Keith who we were working who I was working with I got to be on stage with these guys and sometimes be messy and sometimes super tight, but coming from a a position where I used to be so deathly afraid of making mistakes Mm -hmm. with my words, with music, with my actions, with anything, I was constantly afraid of making mistakes. And so then I found myself working with this artist who wasn't afraid of making mistakes, wasn't afraid of trying something new on stage in front of people um, wow. and him, Keith and Caroline, all of them, it, they're like self grown, um, like really amazing artists and proficient at everything that they did and just taught themselves. So not afraid to make mistakes, not afraid to step into that stuff. And I think that working in that environment with them, I started noticing after the first year and year and a bit, when I would make mistakes on stage or get tripped up a little bit, suddenly I wasn't feeling that same reaction inside of me. Right. I wasn't feeling that sense of anxiety anymore. I was just feeling a sense of calm and just witnessing it and also getting to experience the audience Mm -hmm. and how much they loved him. 
because Will has tons of fans who've been following him for like 20 years. Right. So seeing how they would receive him and how they would still love him and this music that we were pre presenting and performing regardless of any mistakes was just starting to, it was like helping rewire. And so that as well, I feel like has helped me to, to see myself differently as mm -hmm. a performer. And I think probably like a lot of people also, I have had troubles seeing myself clearly. I remember when I was younger, people would say that I was beautiful and I didn't believe them. I thought they were telling me that to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. I thought when people would tell me that I was really talented and that I had something really special, I would think that they were telling me that to make me feel better. And it was really hard to let it in. I couldn't let it in because I didn't believe it and I didn't feel it. And when I was 27, I started, well, I started feeling a, li a little bit more self-love at that time. I would actively look in the mirror and say, hey, beautiful. And, hmm. and I was noticing it was helping me feel differently about myself. And then um, I was in a relationship with a girl for four years that was changing my feelings about myself as a woman. And that was increasing my confidence. I felt like okay. I could believe the love coming from her more than I could ever have, more than I ever believed or trusted it coming from a man. So that was increasing my confidence. And then once we got out of that relationship and once Sid and I were ending our music relationship, he moved to Montreal. I was performing with another band who called Avenis with some friends of mine. And I'd asked mm -hmm. to join this band, which at the time I was scared to death, but I saw them performing. I remember seeing them and going, Oh my gosh, I really want to perform with them. They're amazing. They just blew my mind. Right. And I just wanted to cry the whole time I was watching them. So I asked to join this band and they said yes. And I was like, oh my God, really? They actually want me to play with them? <laughs> and then through the experience of working with them and receiving different comments and validation from these other artists who, like I'd had tons of people tell me that they thought I was great since I was a kid. Right. But not so many people who... I would look at and be like, be admiring their work as a musician mm -hmm. and saying, holy crap, they're so good. And they were reflecting that back at me and giving me the same kinds of compliments. And so I, I remember one day I had to kind of sit with myself and, and, and digest this and process. If they are saying this to me, mm -hmm. And if they haven't kicked me out of this project yet, if they think that I'm good enough to be with them, right. then I must be different than what I perceive myself as because I've always perceived myself as not being good enough. And so that was a huge transition too. So I was probably, I think I was about 31. And that was the year that songs started coming out of me as well. So these songs started coming out of me. So that was a boost in confidence. Finally, the songs are coming these words and these stories are coming, but I still felt even about my own songs that it was just these, this little, little me singing this woe is me stuff about my personal little stories. And they didn't feel like they had as much depth as I wanted them to have. But that whole process from when I was about 31 and a half till, till now has just been each year seeing myself a little bit more clearly, owning more of the power that I have, learning that I have a lot more to offer than I thought I did mm -hmm. and that 
the areas where I do feel like I might be lacking, it's totally okay. Yeah. It's actually more than okay. In fact, working with um, like restrictions or, or not restrictions is not the word I'm thinking of, but working with um, any, um, what's the word I'm thinking? If there's just some areas where I might not be able to access um, skills or information or whatever, then I can reach out to my resources and I can right. ask for help from people who are really good at things. And anyway, so so that that's been a really gradual process. And then and then last year in January, something kicked in even stronger that said no more tiptoeing. Right. You're not tiptoeing in this anymore. You're not working for other people anymore. You're doing your own thing and it has to start happening in a bigger way now. And, and that was like something just moved me again. And, and that, that I feel like last year I started performing a whole bunch at my house mm-hmm. and started doing more solo shows again. Um, and the confidence has been growing a lot. So, well, I, I went to uh, your house, a house solo show, and that's when I noticed your voice had just gone leaps and bounds, <laughs> like from the last time I had seen, seen you perform. Sweet. It's just like so much stronger. Awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you've definitely grown um, in your voice and in your confidence and in, in how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, everything works together to put that out. Yeah. I mean, confidence level is, is even brought out in just performing, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you made a, an album, a mm-hmm. solo album. What That was kind of just before Al Venice or? Yes. Yes. Yes, because I started recording, I felt the inspiration to record in 2013. Right. And um, there's a lot of big shifts, I think, happening in a spiritual sense as well at that time, uh, all over the planet, apparently. So that was kind of neat that synchronistically I was seeming to fall in alignment with these big shifts in energy. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly felt like I needed to record an album, so... I I was a little confused that I was being guided to do that at that time because I at, I still had, didn't really have much material. I had right. a few songs that I'd written that I thought might be good enough to put on the album. And I was still working with Sid at the time. So I thought we'd use a, a couple of his songs, one that we co-wrote together and one another one he wrote that he said he, he would give it to me to sing and then a few covers that I had been really performing well. I just knew I needed to record an album. So mm-hmm. I did that and then it was done. And then literally the next year in 2014, when I was releasing it, that's when all of these new, this new material started pouring out of me. Right. Just, it and was, you, you wrote how many songs in, in a year? There, for a, like a big chunk of the year, there was on average three songs a month three or yeah about three or four songs a month not always completed things and then there was a whole bunch of little bits and pieces of things so but I think all the pieces it felt like it was between 20 or 30 new things that had come out of me all in that year and it was super unexpected because I'd not really been able to write I didn't I was never very good at like lyrical stuff or song structures and mm-hmm. and 
chords and all of a sudden these way more creative material was coming out of me and it was kind of blowing my mind but at the same time I had been expecting them for a while right. I knew they were coming I'd had a feeling since I was 21 I guess I'd had a feeling since my early 20s that they were coming in my 30s and then they came in my 30s and by then my voice was stronger so I could sing them more and then yeah and then I joined Aw Venice and then or was that in 2013 it was around that same time because I right. started playing with Will the year that I released my album which was 2014 I believe so Aw Venice yeah. might have been 2013 I can remember that man right after you released your album then the opportunity with Will came up yeah and that that was just yeah and you'd been doing and now you you've been touring with Will for or you had been touring for with Will for how long? Four, four years? years. Yeah. It was basically four years, like the month. It was we started in October of twenty fourteen, I guess. We had a little interview and chatted with each other and then in October um we started touring. We went on a three week long tour and then four years of doing that and then something last year told me I needed to step back mm -hmm. and focus on my solo stuff. So that just took over last year in a bigger way. And right. and now I feel like I'm just, I'm supposed to focus in all of my energy on my own material and my own songs and whatever I'm supposed to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the next step is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, the, the solo album you put out, are mm -hmm. you still happy with it? Yeah, I'm really happy with I'm really happy with what I got out of myself at that time and working with the people that I worked with and uh, Zach Cohen, who I've worked with at the Woodshop Recording Studios right. many times. And he's amazing and wonderful and so, so awesome to work with. And he knew he knows my voice and he knew me as a performer. He knew me as a person quite well so he knew how he could push me and kind of get the best stuff out of me and mm -hmm. so I think we did a really good job together and I knew that I knew I needed something it's basically just become a really fancy business card and it's something that I can give to people but it is old like it's if I was recording in 2012 2013 ish somewhere around there my voice has changed a lot since then and I have all this new material and it feels like that album it was what I could present at the time, but it wasn't really fully me. Right. Because it only had two of my originals. Mm -hmm. so and you did a couple covers it. on it too, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a song by the Flaming Lips, Tom Waits, and Peter Gabriel. Right. Really beautiful songs. And so, yeah, that that was awesome. Now I'm I'm feeling all of this buzz and, and energy and, and stuff building... I'm really wanting to record more of my new material yeah. that I've been writing over the last five years. So you're itching to do another solo album? Really itching to record. I'm not exactly sure how I'm supposed to do it yet or or when. I feel like it's supposed to come soon, right. but I don't know exactly when or how it's going to happen. Um, and the interesting thing too, though, like the timing, I feel like the timing always falls into place really well because... Um, even was it two years ago even i didn't have the same relationship that that i have now with with the songs that i've written right because something was something was shifting like 
I had realized about five years ago after reading this book, The Marriage of Spirit by Leslie Temple Thurston, that uh, these songs, as I was writing them, I felt like it was always about relationships, always people that I wanted or some, somebody I couldn't have. or So it was, you know, always relationship woes or whatever that I was writing about. And I felt like, oh, I want to be writing about something so much deeper. I want to be writing about something more universal. Right. And... I felt like there was something wrong with these songs. Like they weren't good enough. They weren't. They were just. I don't know. They so, were. Yeah. Like you mentioned, relationships and yeah. writing the songs about relationships. But isn't weren't the relationships what gave you the energy to write the songs? Yes. So they fueled the emotions and the thoughts, the whatever was coming out of me. They would force me to have to look at myself and. And so what had happened after reading this book, mm -hmm. she talked a lot about um, the connection with your spiritual essence and stuff like that as well, but everything being a reflection. So everything around you being a reflection of what's going on inside of you. And I kind of knew that, but it was really kicking in in a, in a more visceral way while I was reading that book. And I suddenly realized this one obsession with a person that I had at the time that I'd written a ton of material about, right. I could suddenly see how it wasn't about him. That actually everything I was saying about him, everything that I was asking for from him was what my music was saying to me and asking for from me. And everything he was saying to me was what I was saying to her. So for example, at that time, why don't you want to be with me? Can't you see how amazing we are together? We belong together. You'll see it eventually. Don't you feel how powerful this is? So my music, why don't you want to be with me? Why do you keep pushing me away? Why can't you just really connect with me? Can't you feel how amazing we feel when we're together? And then he was saying to me, oh, you know, like, you're older than I am. You're, this is too serious. It's just a little bit, I'm not really ready for this kind of thing. I want to be with other people or what, like this, this kind of stuff. And that's exactly what I was doing to my music. So right. it was, no, it's too serious. It's freaking me out. I don't really want to do that right now. I want to play in other people's bands. I don't want to focus on my own stuff. This doesn't feel right. Maybe one day. I don't know. Anyway, so once that clicked, I suddenly was able to start writing the songs with this dual perspective at the same time. So I would be writing about, cause I still, my heart would get attached to different people. Yeah. So I would then be able to see my attachments, but also see my connection with my music, which at that time, so now she was Emerald Speck. She was taking on this, this character or something. I had to separate this entity of my music from myself so that I could do stuff for her because doing something for me was too challenging. So, so I was starting to see this in a different way and I was able to write um, from both perspectives at the same time. So it was changing my songs and it was changing my relationship to my songs. I wasn't seeing them or feeling them the same way anymore. So that was a big shift. But then last year, something happened as well where all of a sudden, because I had even said, okay, well, I have all this great material, but I feel like I need to write a whole bunch of other material now that's talking about something bigger. And then something clicked last year, and I don't even remember what it was, but instantly all of the songs took on a completely different 
meaning and I realized I'd already written all of that stuff that I felt like I needed to write. That actually these songs are already the things that I felt like I needed to, oh, I gotta hunker down and I gotta write about something that's gonna relate to more people, that's going to have a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just singing all of my little relationshipy songs. And I was like, whoa, I can see all of them in a deeper way than that now. So you just realized that they, they <laughs> that you wrote the songs and they had a dual worth right there already. Yeah, and and something more. They they even had that something more that I felt like I was supposed to be accessing. And and so I don't know what happens next, but I, I guess in a way, like because if when I look at my connection to music, it is a it's a relationship with like a living entity for me right. or a living energy. And I wonder if in some way that's like when somebody's been married for a long time or they've been with somebody for a long time and you think you know somebody, you think you see them mm -hmm. and then suddenly something shifts and you're seeing them in a completely different light and you realize even more how perfect they are for you and how lucky you are to be with them and that they've always been right there, super magical and super amazing and totally supporting you exactly as you need to be. That in a way is, I guess, what these songs feel like. That's, it sort of feels like it shifted like that in a way for but me. That's really beautiful. I mean, it's amazing. That, that you... just came to me just now. <laughs> that's awesome. But. I, <laughs> that that evolution has brought you to a place where you're actually feeling really comfortable going forward yes yeah. and so and that is literally as of last year because I still felt all these little um fears and maybe something's not quite right or maybe I don't really have what I need um and something it was in January of last year I remember everything shifted I felt this something shift in my heart where I felt this feeling of wholeness and oneness mm -hmm. more than I'd ever experienced before. I no longer felt like I was looking for the one. I felt like the one is inside of me. Yes, I've understood this before intellectually, but I've never had a visceral sensation until last January of 2018. Mm -hmm. It just, I, I was like, what just happened inside of me? Something, something completely changed. And that's when the, these new callings came out. This was, you need to move. I mm -hmm. needed to move off my dad's property where I'd been for 10 years. You need to step away from this band. You need to stop teaching so much. You need to dive into your solo career. And it was just all of these shifts based out of this place of some like really like thick, visceral, full something inside mm -hmm. of me. And I was like, that sounds weird, but, <laughs> but it was just like, I, it was super hard to explain, but everything started sh sort of shifting out of that. And my, yeah. my perspectives were changing rapidly and doors opening and doors opening. Yeah. And I mean, you're in the, you're in your new house. It's an amazing yeah. house. <laughs> it just fell in my lap. Yeah. It's just wild. <laughs> One of my students' backyards and amazing family brand new little mobile home in the woods i get to live like a like a fairy in the woods it's beautiful you mentioned um, one thing that that we in our when we were talking before about that you thought you had to be in hermit mode what what did that hmm. mean yeah so 
That, I feel like in 2019, I'm supposed to sort of hunker down a bit more and yeah. really focus in more on what I need to do for me. Right. And I'm a super empathic person. I'm hyper-connected with community and friends and students and family. And for the last 10 years, I've been building this amazing network of people. And I'm, I often just really want to reach out and I love helping people. I you know, give massage sometimes or I would go, I don't know, just hang out with people and talk. I'm often end up taking on a bit of a counselor life coach sort of role with students or friends or so lots and lots and lots of giving lots and lots of giving outwardly mm -hmm. i love people i'm fascinated by people i'm fascinated by relationships by connections by what happens the neat little magical things that happen when people come together i love it so much but something is saying that i need to start uh really like I'm, I'm good spending time with myself, but I need to do even more of it. And I need to say no even more often. I need to set boundaries even more often because I need to really be feeling super strong inside with what I'm moving forward with. And I need to really do a lot of meditation. I'm being feeling called to do a ton of meditation right now, more mm -hmm. yoga, more self-care, singing. So making time to sing a lot more frequently so that I can keep my voice strong. So if I end up performing spontaneously or just, I have to keep my voice strong. And I feel like there's almost this little selfish bit too, that feels like if I'm going to be connecting with people, I need to be connecting in ways that are really feeding and serving me a lot. I feel right. like I want to fuel and fill and serve myself first and foremost, which I think that was really hard for me growing up because I would constantly, I'm the oldest of three and there's this feeling of, I need to make sure that everybody else is okay and that will make me feel okay. And there's this new thing sort of taking over in the last little bit as well that feels like, no, I just need to be okay. Yeah. First and foremost, I want to be okay. I want to feel good inside. And if somebody else outside me doesn't feel good, that's not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. If I can do something for them, and if I feel called to or inspired or expansive at the idea of helping somebody or reaching out or talking or getting together, that's good. But I'm going to take care of me first, which mm -hmm. is good. Yeah, it <laughs> I think good. this is good. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's a good shift. Yeah. Definitely feels like a good one. Yeah. So... Uh, what about like you, one of the things I wanted to talk about, cause it's brought, you brought it up several times in our conversation is the, the manifestation of things. Yeah. Like that's one thing that, that is a really powerful thing in, in learning that if you need something, because you mentioned clothes, you know, oh, I, <laughs> I need some clothes and then they suddenly appear. Yeah. Um, the, you know, that also is also alongside with, there is a there's a fine line to sitting down and going oh i need a piece of chocolate cake it's not going to just appear you have to yeah. work towards getting that <laughs> but in the manifestation of things if one of the things that that's always been in my life is is if i want something to happen i always go through i play it out in my head over and over and over and over mm -hmm. again and i basically visualize it into existence yeah and is that 
the same sort of thing that's happened with you in your life? I think a lot of it is visualization. Um, yes, because there's definitely things where I will do that. And part of it too is just seeing and feeling something. So I've noticed that I seem to have this crazy capacity to manifest things really quickly. And mm -hmm. often when I really want or need something, if it's in my best interests and the best interests of those around me, it will often come within two weeks. And I started noticing this pattern years ago. And um, so like, let's say back when I manifested this music partner, Sid. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I think it was just prior to that I'd been watching Ryan McMahon perform at the Bean Time and Ladysmith and he had a duo partner. And I was just getting into doing stuff solo, but I saw Ryan playing with, I think it was Brooks. Yeah, it might've been Brooks. Um, and, and watching them harmonize. There was something inside of me that really powerfully just set, felt like I need that. I need to experience that now. Right. I would like to experience having a music partner and having harmonies and that kind of thing. And a very, within a very short period of time, I was standing at the till at the 49th parallel grocery store in Ladysmith and a woman came through my till and she said, uh, my husband saw you perform and he would like to give you a CD and maybe work on some music with you. She just came to me. And then that Sid and I exchanged CDs and we started working together. And then there was four years of this happening. And so multiple, multiple things would happen like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I even remember... Actually, I won't talk about that one. Never mind. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's... Just like small things like clothes, big yeah. things like, okay, now I want to move forward as a solo artist. And I'm, it was funny, like the timing even of working with Will, I'd seen Will play seven years prior at right. the Duncan Garage showroom. And I fell in love with his music. I remember listening to it on repeat multiple times. I remember seeing him on stage and thinking, oh my God, he's making me feel so much better about being myself because he was sometimes making mistakes and not caring about it. He was talking too much and he was talking about kind of dirty things sometimes or whatever. Like I remember him talking about boobs and stuff and, right. and I thought, oh yes, okay. I talk about inappropriate things on stage. Uh, it's part of my personality. I sometimes will make mistakes and get flustered or messy and I sometimes talk too much. And, and here's this man doing this successfully and people love him. Right. And, and then seven years later, I had just released my solo album and I was working at Arbutus and a man who I knew, who knew me through a couple, a couple different ways, was at the time Will's producer. And he came up to me at work one day and said, hey, I gave Will your name as a potential person to take on tour because he's looking for a keyboardist to go on tour with him who's local. Because his other keyboardist at the time lived in Calgary. And I was mm -hmm. like, you what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mean like Will, like seven years ago, I like was totally like starstruck by this person. Mm -hmm. And you gave him my name like holy shit <laughs> and then 
And then that just opened up. And then all of a sudden I was being presented with this opportunity to work with like professional artists who'd been on the road touring for a long time. Keith, who was also our drummer, Keith Gallant, he was one of the people who started Tall Tree Festival. Like he's an amazing um, uh, sound sound guy. He, we, he, like he would bring all the gear and the equipment. He would do sound for us. He was awesome on the road. Will and Caroline were like this well-oiled machine. So I, I was suddenly getting this opportunity to go touring as well, to add even more to my repertoire, repertoire and to my skill set and to my experience, which for me, everything is always feeding my, my music. So it's, mm -hmm. this is even more of this, more of this, more of this. It's all coming to me to help me with the next level of doing what I need to do for my own material, which feels like it's my child, like it's my baby. And I feel like from that perspective too, as a parent with a child, well, you would do anything to see your child become the strongest, the most capable that it can be. So you mm -hmm. go and you, you do the jobs you need to do so that you can make the money and gain, get the, the experience, the networks, the whatever, so that you can help your child grow so that you can, yeah, feed, feed them. Hmm. So it's what I'm constantly doing. So now you're in a, a point in your life where you feel confident, you feel mm -hmm. like it's time to take the reins and let the music take the reins for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more like that for sure. Yeah. I'm kind of like, okay, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> I so don't do, know. <laughs> do you have any specific goals in mind? Or is it just something that you're kind of in a flux right now where you're just waiting for that next door to open? There, it's funny, like constantly for years, this, the one, there's this one specific goal that I have that I know is this one specific thing that I wonder if I'll do it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Actually, I guess there's a couple things that I really do want that I hope unfold, but I'm open to whatever does unfold because I know that life will grow things in the best way that it can I just have to kind of get out of the way but mm -hmm. um the point in a movie that's like two-thirds to three-quarters of the way through the movie right. where somebody is coming to a deep realization and they're hitting a shift or a change in a huge way mm -hmm. that point in a movie is always accompanied by a song that is generally very moving and and deep okay. and a lot of the times by an artist that's sort of obscure that you might not know anything any anything about i think the movie was it the movie closer was julia roberts in that um it's the artist oh now i'm forgetting his name anyway it's a few different artists that i've discovered through that point in a movie and i feel like my life constantly i mean I'm constantly in this flux, like in change, in big change. I'm not afraid of big changes. When I realize something needs to really shift, I'll step right. into the fear and I'll make a huge decision mm -hmm. and I will just dive into this change or this new thing. And I, so I think I'm drawn to, I'm drawn to people that are going through changes. People that are going through changes seem to be drawn to me. I'm drawn to like that place in a movie. I want to have songs in that 
place in a movie so that whatever I'm singing or whatever's coming out of my voice or whatever the material is, it's helping to create the atmosphere and the energy for this hopefully deep moment of shift and perspective for whatever's happening in in the movie but also for the people observing the people watching right. because they're going hopefully like movies are they're entertainment but they're also so, something so much deeper because they can share so many deep messages through the process of following these stories was that is that the first time you've actually voiced that goal or have you talked I've talked about that one a lot because it's one that keeps coming up. And then I also, I also really want to collaborate with other people. Like I want to work with other artists and and musicians and, and create and write. And that's been starting to happen finally more now. Like writing with other people was a huge challenge for me before and it's Mm -hmm. starting to open up more easily now. But isn't being in a, like a, a music relationship partly a collaboration? It hasn't always been. Okay. Like Sid and I tried writing together, which was sometimes challenging because I was having a really hard time writing. So I could okay. hardly write. I could contribute a bit, but I couldn't really write. Okay. When I was in Kendall Patrick and the Headless Betty's, Kendall is an amazing songwriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sort of tried writing together. Didn't really work too much. Um, I've written little bits of things with students here and there. I've gotten better at working with some of my students to help facilitate some of their writing. That was actually sometimes easier. Mm-hmm. Tried writing with a couple of other people. Um, it usually just wouldn't flow. So when you mentioned you want to collaborate, you want something that is on an equal footing. Well, I want to, I want to present myself as whatever this individual thing is right. that is coming through me Mm. but through that I love I like you know when other artists will like they'll sometimes do a little collaboration with this artist so they'll have this song that they did with that person or they'll have a collaboration with this person or that person so there's these little pieces where you're kind of you're coming together you're helping each other to create something that you wouldn't be able to create on your own Mm -hmm. not necessarily to be like here's me in a constant collaboration more so here's me right I'm gonna come collaborate here for a second Cool. Yeah. That was amazing. Whoosh, let's let that go. Okay. Okay. And then here's this little thing. Let's create something beautiful. Cool. Let's let that go. That kind of thing feels like something that's always drawn to, drawn me as well. And last year, I did find a music partner to, to start to, that I could really write with. This another friend from um, Arbutus Music where I teach and work. Michael, he's working there as well. And we performed together at my house. We did a, mm-hmm. a show together and we were somehow able to write together. Like we're in the same, our, our minds and our hearts seem to be in the same place and we could communicate super easily. And mm-hmm. the sentiments that were coming out, the sort of what we wanted to present, it was really, really surprising to me how easy it was to write things with him. And so that started opening something up too. And I was realizing that maybe I will really be able to write with other people and collaborate more because there was so much resistance before and it was not flowing. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not supposed to do it right now then because it's not flowing. Hmm. And then all of a sudden it started opening up and then I've had a couple of other people say they want to work with me or write something with me or I want to collaborate with some other people. I'd love to collaborate with visual artists as well. And that's really exciting because just like in relationship in any relationship 
you you've you've got to be these really strong powerful unique sources on your own but you can also come together sometimes and create even more magic and then just let that play out and see what it does so i'm excited for that that is exciting I think it gets funny because when you were talking about the collaboration and, and, and doing it here and then, okay, let that go and go and doing it here and do it, that, that's something that actually you could, you could take that and, and make that into an album even. I don't know if that's you know, in, in the future, but that sounds like something that, because you, you see these collaboration albums now mm-hmm. where you know, there's three or four artists or eight artists or whatever mm-hmm. and they all come together to make one album. Yeah. That would be kind of cool, but... That actually, it makes me think too of, um, so when I was 31 and a half and all these songs started coming out of me and then Mm -hmm. they were were just out of me for a while and then they sort of fizzled out for a bit and then as I would get more inspiration, a couple more might come out every now and then, but there hasn't Mm -hmm. been the prolific writing stage like in that first year. Mm -hmm. And I remember not feeling worried and wondering why don't I feel worried shouldn't writers feel worried like I never had thought of myself as a writer before anyway but at that time I was like okay now I'm writing well if I can't keep writing will that be sad will that be upsetting will that be frustrating but it didn't feel like that it just felt like if I had writer's block or something or stuff just didn't want to come out of me I had instantly this thought of, well, there are so many artists who I love who, and I'm like, like local people. I, w- I worked on the Duncan radio station for a year hosting this small little, just two songs on every Sunday night. It was finding local music from, mm-hmm. from the island or the neighboring islands. And so I had this opportunity to find all of these local artists. So, I mean, Ryan McMahon, Kendall, Steph Lang, there's, there's them and then there's people from Victoria and from all over the islands, uh, amazing artists. And, and I would have favorite songs of theirs that I had either played on the radio station or on Sun FM or just listened to repeatedly. And I thought, man, I would love to cover versions of these people's songs for multiple reasons, because to honor how much I love their material or something that they've done and also because as you know like I don't know I'm thinking of permaculture all of a sudden but animals plants whatever like coming together to help Mm. each other grow so like that could be an opportunity for me to grow and and also to like increase um uh growth potential or whatever depending on where we were like yeah I don't know that that to me felt like a really exciting opportunity too. Hmm. That would be on a, feels like that would be farther away and, on, and I, it would be something that would be fun to do on a bigger scale one day maybe, but it's, been, it's always been a thought. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. So in the immediate future, you're working on getting more intimate with being a hermit and solo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> Like a a witch in the woods, (laughs) (laughs) working on my weird mystical world of art and music and whatever else. Yeah, it's such a new phase and I'm really excited to see how I grow in this new environment Mm -hmm. and, and what else I get to attract to me and what else I get to do. 
Super stoked. I, I really think that 2019, like I, I have a, a really positive feeling about 2019, and I, I yeah. think you do too. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, a, it's, it's a big year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, we just finished January, we're in February now, mm-hmm. and I already feel like I've accomplished so much. Mm-hmm. And I think you've accomplished so much. You know, you've moved, your, your life is different, mm-hmm. but, you know, definitely better. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So the soul album that uh, that you have now, mm-hmm. um, it's still available. Yeah. You can people can can go go download it, mm-hmm. or they can can they still get a physical copy? Is there yes. still physical copies available? Yes, there's physical copies. I have a lot of them actually. I'd love to sell more. Um, I don't think I have them out anywhere. There's a few at Arbutus, but mm. I'll I'll like take them to people, send them to people in the mail. Um, are you still on Bandcamp? Yep, Bandcamp, okay, and it's on iTunes as well. It's on iTunes as well. Yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll have all those links yeah. down down in the description. And, yeah, because your Emerald your album Specs, is still available. Emeraldspecs.com. Emeraldspecs.com. No www apparently. Yeah. So yeah. Emeraldspecs.com. Straight. And that takes like you there. Yeah, that'll take to the Bandcamp page. Okay. And I just so happened to help you with the cover. Yes. So um, as a photographer. Um, we worked together and uh, we made this interesting. I should have it. Why don't I have my album? I have one in my bag. I can run and grab it. Why don't you go do that? And then I'll cut it in. Let's get the water out of the way. Okay. So this is the album that uh, we worked on together. Well, the album cover that we worked on together. Yes. You did all the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and my team at the time, yes. But the, the, this was the inception of Emerald Specs, right? Yes. That was... So that, that year, like, so I'd recorded the album and I always had wanted to have a name. I didn't, I didn't want to use Lena Burtwistle. And multiple people said they thought I sh- should still use Lena Burtwistle because it's a memorable name. I opened for Alison Crow a number of times and her manager, mm-hmm. Adrian, said Burtwistle is a fantastic last name. Nobody's going to forget it. But I still had this intuitive feeling inside that I was supposed to find a name. And so the year that I released it, uh, 2014, I guess that was, yeah. Um, 2013? Well, okay, whatever. I always get the years mixed up. Um, then I meditated a lot on the name and came up with that. Well, that name came to me. So it took some getting used to. It, it Like for the first few years even, I still was really uncomfortable with it but I knew that I needed to just tough it out and mm-hmm. use the new name and people would ask is it is this show Lena Burtwistle or Emerald Specs I'm like Emerald Specs it's Emerald Specs there's no Lena Burtwistle anymore <laughs> she's she's me but it's the performance name the performance yeah. name the performance name so but, but you've done that because you basically you wanted to have the duality of like the music and and you I think at the time well that was a way that I was able to work for my okay. music was all to right. like separate her from me, knowing mm. she is me. It's right. it's all me, yeah. but but the name was just. I think even since I was when I was, I remember being in high school trying to think, what's my performance name going to be one day, and I could never think of anything. Mm. Nothing that sounded cool or or felt good. I thought of using Lena and something, Lena Lane, Lena Marie, Lena blah blah blah, whatever. Mm. I don't know, and then. But Emerald Specs, when that came, I, I asked a couple of other people, 
what they thought and I had a whole bunch of other ideas as well and that one stuck and then when doing the imagery for the logo as well uh, I kind of mentioned to the guys who were who were doing the logo that to me it was sort of symbolic of like in the Wizard of Oz the Emerald City mm-hmm. the city of hope and love and when you you know there's like this this journey to get to this city where you're learning all of these things on the way and you 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 realize when you get there you've had all this stuff in you all along you've always had it um, but through this journey you're making these friends you're discovering all these things about yourself and then you really you get there and you embrace this new life or just all of this positive stuff and then that's like ripples outside of you these specks just like ripple outside of you so in in a way I think I really really appreciate that that was a process that I went through to get that name to mm-hmm. to attach that to the music because I want it to be more of a I want it I want it to be a, a symbolic thing for sharing um, the emotional content of life and not just about me right and my personal little journey so it feels good in that way and so and the guys who created the logo ended up making it so it looks like the emerald city with like this road and it it's beautiful i love it it's on my business card and i'm going to put it on t-shirts eventually and no i should probably i'll put the logo somewhere oh yeah cool somewhere here (laughs) and then and then yeah and getting to go to the Ladysmith Antique store with yeah. you to do that was a whole adventure in, its, was in itself as well. Yeah. I loved that so much. So many people have commented, oh, that's an interesting cover. There's like four of you, except one's just a head. <laughs> yes. Well, at least they know it. Like, I know. They, I love they, it. It's neat that they realize that. And I remember telling you, too, I want it to be a little bit weird. Can we yeah. make it a little bit weird? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a little weird and I love and, that about it so that, much that idea evolved even even after we did the shoot too yeah so it was kind of crazy it was awesome so I mean going forward I think that like I said 2019 is going to be a good year yes. and um, we'll have all the links to everything thank cool. you so much for for spending the time with me Thank you for doing that. I actually learned some stuff that I didn't even know about you, so that's kind of neat. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Some things came out of me that I didn't know I was going to talk about. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) So thank you again, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you.